I like to at least take a quick pass through the book of Proverbs before I get into the teaching for the day. And, and uh, since there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, there's always a chapter relevant to today's date. So I picked one from chapter 2 because today is the second, right? Now, I know nobody told you there was going to be any math, but it's going to be safe. You'll be fine. So I picked verse 12. Wisdom will prevent you from doing the wrong thing. It will keep you away from people who stir up trouble by what they say. That's a keeper. So today we wrap up um, our series about perspective, the topic of perspective. And we've been in the book of Philippians and uh, four chapters. And I encourage you, if you didn't read the book of Philippians, which you can accomplish in about 10 or 15 minutes and sit down, take time in the next couple of days and do that. Uh, we've been in the, in the book of Philippians. I've got a question for you. How, how many of you, occasionally at least you, worry? I know the deal is when a pastor asks a question, he asks you to show your hand, there's a trick usually involved. And the trick this time is, you know, some people didn't raise their hands because they're worried what other people will think. Proving my case. <laughs> um, but um, I did a, a series uh, last summer we called Detox. And um, we talked about a couple of pretty significant points about worrying back then. And I just want to bring them back. I'm not going to teach on them, but I'm going to mention them to you. Um, whatever you fear the most reveals what you value the most. Remember that topic? If, if, you, if you're afraid of something, it's because you've... So, so if you worry a lot about your kids' safety, it's because you really value your children. If you, if you worry about, you know, never, I'm never going to get married, I'm never going to... It's because you value the relationship and the institution of marriage and you want it in your life. So, you know, whatever you fear the most is, is what you value the most. And the second thing is, what you fear the most also reveals where you trust God the least. That's the harder one. You know, what you worry about is an indicator of the area where you really aren't trusting God maybe as much there as another place. And I've got a simple definition for worrying. Um, this isn't the only definition, but, but I've heard this one, and I kind of like it. Um, uh, it's the sin, of, the sin of, of distrusting the promises and the power of God. That's what worrying is. It's we just refuse the, the promises and the power of God, and instead we, we decide to take that on. And, and I... I think, to be honest, everybody worries sometimes. I worry sometimes. I worry about some stupid things sometimes. I worry about big things sometimes. I'm not proud that I worry. I just do. And I've got to, I, I struggle with that. I mean, I think some people worry about the economy. They worry about their job. They worry about their finances. They, they're, they're, there are some people who are worried and they're consumed with, you know, I got to I got to keep up with my neighbors. They got a new pickup truck. Now I got to get a new pickup truck and um or or they worry about their health. They worry about their relationships. You know, people worry about their kids, their children, what's what are they going to face and and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, we 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 have this and I, maybe some of you somewhere in life, you know, if you've got a little bit of of history you got to a place where you maybe started to get a little bit on top of this topic and started thinking, I just really don't worry as much as I used to, and it's really good. And, and then one day you wake up, and one of your children says, hey, today i got to get my learner's permit, and I'm going to be driving. <laughs> and you find yourself at a new level of worry and a new level of prayer, and um, they get their driver's license, and then you're, you, you, you claim you're not worrying, but your truth is you're on your knees. It's 11.30 at night, and you're thinking, oh, where are my kids, and um, worried. And I, got, I know people who have 
nothing to worry about, but they find things to worry about. You probably know somebody like that. If there's nothing to worry about, they'll find something to get worried about. And today we're going to see that that the book of Philippians shows us that worry is just simply a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, a, a number of years ago, my parents gave me a, um, a Christmas present, and they had arranged for something that was really important to me, um, for me to go back to Indy to see pole qualifying for the Indy 500. You know, I'm, I've got a, a, a properly balanced love of cars. You know that about me, right? Okay. From my viewpoint, it's properly balanced. From everybody else's, it might be extreme. But I, I, I love cars. And, and my parents knew this about me, and I'd never been to the big race. And um, um, so they made arrangements for me to go and stay with relatives in, a next, in the next state over and go with them to pole qualifying. It was a pretty big deal for me. And um, so I had never been that part of the country and got on an airplane, and I flew to, to uh, St. Louis, they lived in Collinsville, Illinois, which is just across the Mississippi River. And, and, and there was all kinds of tornadoes in the region at the time that I was going. Now, I thought that's kind of cool. I've never been there before, never been around a tornado. I'd only seen the movie Twister, and I thought, cool, you know, let's go see what this is all about. And uh, so, I, and I don't mind flying. I, I you know, I, I'm not afraid of flying. And, and I'm in an airplane full of people, and we turn and we're starting to make our approach into St. Louis. And I noticed, I could see, I like the window, um, I could see up ahead dark, dark clouds. It's the middle of the day, about one in the afternoon, and it looks pretty nasty. In fact, I'm pretty sure I can see some sparkles in the clouds, you know, some flashes here and there. And, um, you know, started feeling like, you know, you know, sometimes when you land, it's just a nice smooth landing. And other times you're 10,000 feet and you start feeling this, this stuff going on. And they say, oh, please get in your seats and put on your seatbelt. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been on a plane when they do that? I hope I'm not freaking anybody out that has to get on an airplane because, you know, it's safer than walking across the street, I think. So um, we're coming in and this flashing and these booming are going on. And in my back of my mind, I'm thinking, hey, there's tornadoes in the area. This is kind of cool. And... Um, I think the plane was full of locals because all of a sudden we descended into this dark cloud and it became nighttime. I'm not kidding. By the time I could see the ground, we got to a few thousand feet of altitude where I could see the ground, it was dark and all the streetlights had come on. It was one in the afternoon and was so dark and the wind was blowing and you could feel the thunder and the crunch and the, you know, the crack and, and the plane is doing some of this kind of stuff going on. And I'm kind of long for the ride and I look around and I realize the plane has gone dead silent. And literally, white knuckles, people holding on to the edge of their seats. Now, I guess I was just too stupid to be afraid, right? <laughs> I just didn't know enough to be freaked out, but I had a different perspective. Different perspective. I obviously, I survived the landing. It was fine. I, I really believe that worry is a matter of perspective. And, um, you know, I, I think about perspectives. And if there was a guy who had the right to be worried, it was the Apostle Paul when he was writing um, the book of Philippians. And we get to chapter four is where we're going to be today. If you've missed the previous weeks, um, Paul was basically imprisoned at this point because he preached the gospel, because he shared the hope of Jesus. He, and, he, and he wasn't just in prison, but he was, at this point, he'd been in several prisons. He was under house arrest. He was literally chained 24 hours a day to a Roman guard, okay? So it wasn't like he was in a cell somewhere. He was literally chained to a, a, a Roman guard, and he was waiting to hear the sentence 
that was going to be proclaimed upon him, and it was probably going to be a death sentence. That's what it looks. It's like, it's like at any point somebody could come in and say, hey, we've got this thing figured out. Tomorrow at sunrise, off comes your head. I mean, this guy had, wouldn't you be worried? Okay, so this guy had, had, had and, and, and anyone he could told that. And uh, he was facing what was, could have been the absolute very worst news of his life. So he could have been worried. But he had a perspective, a different perspective about God and about what was going on in his life. He was, he was the guy who we read in the, in the scripture, he, he says things like, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. Can trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? I mean, not, not, sword, nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And Paul had this different perspective because he had actually seen the faithfulness of God in all kinds of life's absolute worst tragedies. I mean, I mean he, he, had been, he had been shipwrecked and left for dead. He should have died. He saw the Lord there. Another time he was literally bitten by a poisonous snake and the people said, oh, you're dead, that's it. And he was fine. He, uh, he was literally stoned. Not the recreational kind, but you know, where they throw rocks at you. He was stoned and drug out of a city and dumped and left for dead. They were certain he was dead. And he was, the Lord saw him through that. I mean, he, he, he'd seen the faithfulness of God again and again and again. And because of what he experienced in his life, he's got this attitude, hey, you really don't have to worry. God has this covered. This guy has had seen thing after thing. And so from a, a, this Roman in prison, he, he writes, and we're going to pick this up in verses 4 and 5 of Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice. He's always saying the word rejoice, by the way. It just can really get annoying sometimes when he says it. And, 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 and then he says, and he's got this key phrase that he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. By the way, isn't it cool how this scripture was already in my sermon notes, notes before the Lord gave this prophetic word to our worship leader and said, you're not alone, I'm right here. Here's the scripture. The Lord is near. And I, I don't want to somehow put God in a box, but there are no wasted words here. He, he's saying, you know, let's, let's take another pass at this. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Because why? Because the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who knows your every need, and cares. He's right here. He's right here. The Lord is near. And I'm thinking that when you see God the way Paul has seen his Lord, then, then you get to the place where you say, you know, I realize there's some challenges here, but I'm really going to be fine. I'm really going to be okay here. You don't have to be worried when you know the Lord, the way Paul knew him. And I, I can see a couple of things here that I think that we can learn from Paul in this. And there's some two things. You don't have to worry when, one, you don't have to worry about what will happen when you know who is in charge. In other words, you don't have to worry about the how when you know the who. You don't have to worry about the how when you know the who. I'm starting to sound like Dr. Seuss. 
I, I'm starting, but you don't have to worry about what is going to happen when you're engaged with the who. I mean, um, I, here's a story about a, a friend of mine. You know, early in our marriage, we were always doing stuff to our house. It seems like we're almost still always doing stuff to my house, but I had a close friend, and um, we were doing things to our houses. You know, he wanted a wood-burning stove, so we put one in his house. I wanted a wood-burning stove, so we put one in my house. And so when it was my turn, we had to kind of clear out an area where we were going to build this wood-burning stove and put in a brick fireplace. And there happened to be a baseboard heater there that was in the way, electric baseboard heater. And, of course, I didn't know too much about this, except you flipped the thing on the wall, and the heat came out, and electricity, and you got a big bill for it, Right? And he says, well, I know what to do because I was an electrician's helper for a while. And I thought, oh, good. Okay, then I don't, care. I don't have to know. So we unscrewed it from the wall, pulled it out, and when, when it came from the wall, out came this, this power cable with it. And um, <laughs> I said, well, what do we do next? He says, well, we cut it. I said, well, okay. <laughs> so help me, here's what he says to me. He says, go turn off the thermostat. <laughs> so I said, sure, it's right over here, and I turned it all the way to nothing. And I can still see the picture. My close, this is a close friend. Um, he squats down, and he's got these, they're like dikes. It's a big pointed thing that you cut through cables with. Guys know what I'm talking about. And he squats down, and he grabs that. It's, a, it's, it's 12-gauge, you know, Romex. It's the big heavy kit. And he, he puts that thing over it, and he squats down with both hands and torques down on this thing. And in the moment that he torques down, he's squatting. There's, you know, light travels faster than sound, right? So the first thing I saw was this flash. Bang! Then I saw this flame go out between his legs. And then I could see his eyes. And I will never forget that moment. The end of the dikes was literally gone, okay? The current that went through them generated enough heat. It instantly melted this expensive pair of pliers. Now, that was one experience. And um, I've told that story on my friend a, a bunch of times. It was as my fault as much as his because I turned off the thermostat, but whatever. And so um, um, years later, I'm doing another project. And now this time, I'm actually standing next side to an actual licensed electrician. I've learned a little bit, you know. I mean, if you need me to come and help you with your wiring, I'd be glad to do it. I actually, <laughs> I actually don't mind working with electricity. Plumbing, it'll get me cussing. Don't get me there at all. But So I'm with this electrician, and I'm thinking of things in my past, obviously, and I'm getting ready to do something, and I said to him, if I do this, is it safe? Answer, yes. And I knew to do it, it was safe, because I knew who it was that I was with. You don't have to worry about the how if you have the who. So I want to kind of maybe take another look at that topic from a scriptural standpoint. Let's keep going, verses 6 and 7. And we're going to see here the way that Paul says this. And he's, you know, it's, he's probably said it a million times. This is wonderful. He says, you don't have to worry about you know, what's going to happen when you know the who. Therefore, he said, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. How much? He said everything. Oh, everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Okay, I'm going to pause there for just a second. He says, don't be anxious about anything, not a thing, but in everything. So what does everything include? I mean, I mean, do we think that it only includes the great, big, massive problems that we face? 
Or does everything include the little issues? I mean, I think it's everything means everything. And then he says to present your request to God. And then here comes this amazing promise. Verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will go around your intellect and get into your soul, into your heart, into your spirit, and it will guard your heart and your mind. Do you know sometimes the filter that we use, our intellect, we think, well, I'll stop worrying as long as I can wrap my mind around why I'll be okay. I got to have this logical sequence. I got to have this thing I can figure out and understand. And if I get there, the worrying will stop. And God's saying, oh, you can't always have that. You're not always going to have it. You'll always have me, but you're not always going to have that. So bring your petition to me. Anything, everything. Don't be anxious. And when you do that, I'm going to do something special for you. There's going to be a peace that I'm going to give you. And it's not just birds chirping in the trees kind of peace. This is a different kind of peace. This is the kind of peace that's going to work its way around your intellect. It's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise. Don't be anxious about anything. And I have to say that, you know, I, as I was preparing to share this message today, sitting in my study, I was thinking there would be people that would show up today And what I just shared is all you need. That's it. I mean, I really believe and prayed before service even with others. I said, Lord, I know there are going to be people that show up today and they're going to be just this ball of worry, so tightly wound. And all they need to know is, is to hear this promise from the Lord. I can give you peace that doesn't depend on what you can figure out. Do you want it? Because if you'll bring your petition to me, if, don't be anxious. Just bring it to me, everything, anything. And I'll do something and I'll help. And when I do it, it'll guard your heart and your mind. Bless that little one. Don't you love that little voice? What a miracle. We dedicated that baby not too long ago. It's good to see. Blessings. Blessings on that child. Don't you all agree? Bless the child. Okay. <laughs> Special. I'm too distractible. I love little ones. I know you do too. Don't be anxious about anything. He tells us not to be anxious about anything. So we get anxious. You know, maybe you're worried. I think the most common thing people mention to me that they're worried about is money, anxious about their finances. Well, I think when we do that, we just, what we do is we just do what God tells us to do. You, you, <laughs> you trust. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I don't want to look over there because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but isn't that funny? <laughs> Somebody's mother is calling you, and you better answer your mother when they call. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whoever that is, it's really okay. Uh, tell your mother we love her, too, whoever that was. <laughs> Somebody's crawling under the chairs. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I mean, the most common thing that people, they come and they painted, have painted, the most common thing that I, that I hear from people is about money. And... Listen, I'm going to say some things to you just for the next 30 seconds. And I'm not saying these to you because the church needs your money. This church is healthy. Every bill is paid. We have enough money to expand. We just did this. We paid cash. This isn't about the church needing money. But if you're worried about your money, do what the Lord tells you to do with your money. 
You know, you trust God with your tithe. You, 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 you return to him what belongs to him. And then you live within your means. And, and if, if you look at the economy and it's causing you to be worried about your money, you think, you know, I, I'm, that's terrible. But it's not my responsibility. You don't do this. You say, the economy is not my responsibility. I have a provider and I've got to deal with him. He said, trust me in this. If you will trust me in this, I'll pour out the windows. People think, people that don't tithe, they think, if I tithe, it's going to put more strain on my finances. And you know, it is exactly the opposite. I don't feel the strain of the economy. I'm concerned about it. And I help people when I can, and I do those kind of things. But I don't feel the weight of it because it's not my weight to carry. My weight is obedience. And, uh, and it frees me up, so I trust the Lord. And, and, and so... You know, maybe you're worried about relationships. You know, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe you're worried about your kids or your spouse or Easter's coming and you have to go to your psycho relative's house for Easter and you're worried about that. I mean, what do you do? You give your psycho relatives to the God. Lord, I got these psycho relatives and God will give you a peace. We joke, but he will. And you'll make it through the day. (laughs) Or your job. And you think, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. They're talking layoffs again. Your employer is not your provider. Make a deal with God. Let him be your provider. Or you're worried about your health or the health of somebody that you love. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is so scary. You trust that person's health to God. And you trust them to the Lord. And you pray about everything. And when you give it to him, you just don't worry. Why? Because he's got it. You know, if you decide to worry, it's almost like you say, God, you know, I appreciate you, but you're, this is really above your pay grade, so I'm going to have to take this back off of your plate, and I'll handle it from here. Thank you. That's what worrying really is. is that, did, I, did I come across too condescending? Yeah, I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> I mean, it's really kind of like what we're saying to God. Uh, I'll get this one, God. I know you're, you know, you're trying, but this will, I'll, I'll have to do this. I mean, we would never say that to God, but that's what worrying is. Now, believe me, I'm preaching myself here. I mean, I'm, I'm having a little fun with it, but I think some of you, you need to actually build yourself a little God box or get yourself a shoe box and cut a hole in the top and get yourself a piece of paper and pencil and say, I'm worried about this, God. I'm putting this on paper. That box is yours. I'm, once I write this and stick it in that hole, it's not mine anymore. Take care of this. I mean, I trust you. That's a prayer. Now, trusting God doesn't mean that you don't do anything, okay? You don't just walk away. It doesn't mean that. If you can do something, then do something about it. I like to say it like this. I do what I can do, and what I can't do, I'll trust God to do. If I can do something, I'll do something about it. If I can't, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to go ahead and trust God to do what I can't do. So when there's something that you can do, do it. But don't take the responsibility away from the Lord. Okay, so I want to, just to kind of drive that point home, how about a quick pop quiz? This isn't going to be a trick, um, very much of a trick. You, you can trust me in this, I'm sure. I'm going to ask you about some different things. And tell me if you can do this, okay? Or, and what you, if you can do this, let me know, because I'd like to know. Um, if, you, if you can't do these things, then the obvious question is, who are we going to give it to? Okay, so... Can you heal your sick loved ones? Do you have the ability to heal? I mean, the answer is no, no. So 
if you've got a sick loved one, you do what you can do for them, but who do you give this to? Thank you. Okay, I know it's scary. You're saying you made me raise my hand before and it was a worry trick. Now I'm not answering you. You preach, I'll listen. I get that. Okay. Here's another one. Your marriage is struggling. Can you change your spouse? Okay, ladies, listen to this. You cannot change your spouse. You can't. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Your spouse can change. But I'm telling you, you cannot change your spouse. And a lot of couples, men and women, they work real hard at that. And they get frustrated by it, by their lack of producing what they want. That's the work in the domain of the Holy Spirit. So what do you do? You trust it to the one who is working to change them and to shape them. Can you, as a parent, protect your children from everything that's a danger to them out there? No, you can't. So that's one of the first things that will drive an adult to their knees is prayer for their kids. You give it to God. Can you ensure that you're never, ever going to get laid off? Can you make sure that you're never going to suffer some financial disaster? Of course not. You've got to trust God to that. Can you control your future? The answer is no. Can you, can you change anything by worrying? Obviously, the answer is no. But can God change things through his power? Yes, will he? He promises to. He promises to. So when you're worried about something, you say, I'm not going to worry, but in everything, I'm going to give these needs to the Lord. I'm going to trust him. And here's how God then steps in. He will give a peace that goes past your understanding, put it down into your soul, and that word, that peace is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And you don't have to worry about what will happen when you know who's in charge. It's really a matter of perspective. You know, if you're like me, if I'm going to worry, I go all in, and I just go immediately to, in my mind, to the worst case scenario. I mean, I rehearse in my mind how bad things are going to get, and then when I have that picture, then I kind of nurse that along. Anybody else here ever, you know, rehearse and nurse? I mean, I mean, I actually have conversations out loud, and I've been doing it before. And Lisa said, "Did you say something to me?" I go, "No, no, I didn't talk to you." <laughs> have you ever been caught talking to yourself about something? I mean. I'm glad I'm not the only freak here. <laughs> and, and here's what Paul says about this. So, so let's pick back up in verses 8 and 9. Um, finally, brothers, here's what you should be thinking about instead of your worries. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, don't think, hey, Things are falling down around my ears. It's going to get worse every day. And then I'm going to die. This is terrible. You know, don't think like that. He's saying, think about these good things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen when you know who is in charge. You give it to the Lord, and he'll guard you, your heart and your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus. There's another thing that a lot of people uh, worry about today, and and, and that is, you know, what we have, where we are in life, status. Um, and, you know, you can be perfectly content, for example, with your home and then go to the home show or go to the Street of Dreams just because it's a nice way to walk with your husband or your wife some Saturday afternoon. And then you come back to your nice little shack. And, um, I mean, because everything's a shack after you've been to the Street of Dreams. Have you noticed that? Yeah, okay. 
everything. And you, can, and, and you come home and you can say, you know, what's wrong with me? What am I, chopped liver? What's, how come, what's the deal here? And, and you can start becoming dissatisfied with what you have. And a lot of people today are discontent. It, it's, 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 they can be discontent with the way they look, you know, the way they feel, their status in life. They can be discontent with their house or their, their car or their job. They want a better marriage or you know, they wish their kids would behave differently or they wish they weren't busy all the time. Discontent for all these different things, the way things are. And then we can become very dissatisfied with you know, what we have and where we are in life. And Paul says, you don't have to worry, number two, about what you have when you know the who who truly satisfies. Don't have to worry about what we have when you know who really satisfies. And then he shares some things that are kind of counterintuitive. And maybe they seem, you know, in fact, they might seem outrageously obvious. You know, it might be, so we gloss over it sometimes. It's almost as if he's saying, hey, I'm going to let you in on a truly cool secret here. Okay? Verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you, at last you have renewed your concern for me. Okay, so he was thanking them. This letter was a thank you letter that they had sent him some financial help and that he really needed. And a guy named Epaphroditus had, had brought him this gift and at risk to his life to get there to him. So he's realizing they've sacrificed and uh, this guy has taken a lot of risk. And that this group of people who had sent him this gift, you know, they, they, they cared about him. They, they hurt for him, they were praying for him, and they love him. Um, indeed, you have been concerned, but, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Okay, now this guy's in prison. He really is in need, but from his perspective, he's, he's getting along just fine. For I have learned to be content. This was something that, taught, that God taught him, by the way, learning to be content, because we're not naturally content. You realize that we are not naturally content. Our sin nature, we are not naturally content. Um, whatever the circumstances, uh, because I've learned to be, you know, he's learned to be content. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And then he tells us this secret. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what. And here it is. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, that is a commonly quoted scripture, so commonly quoted that it's become too common. I don't mean too frequent. I mean, we don't treat it with the royalty that it deserves. We don't treat it with the amount of awe and promise that it contains. We can do anything through Christ. So contentment, he says, I can be content regardless of what's going on in my life. Because of my perspective, I've seen his goodness. I've heard his voice. I've experienced his presence in the worst trials that I could have faced. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. His love is better than life. And because of all that, he says says things that we see in scripture that he writes like that. For me to live is, is Christ and to die is great gain. How do you say that when you're in prison? Another thing he says, I'm hidden with life in Christ. I don't know what that means. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to relate to these things, for, especially with a guy. He, and, and, and he says, you know, when you look at me, I don't want you to see me. I want you to see God because I'm in the Lord. I don't have to worry about me. I don't have to worry about my job. I have to worry about money. I don't have to worry about my relationships. I don't have to re- worry about my health because my health is in him. My job is in him. My money is in him. All of these things that I could possibly worry about, they're in his hands. 
And it's, if it's not in my ability to control it, I can't add anything to it by worrying. My life is in the Lord. And so he's saying here, I don't rejoice in my circumstances because they've been good and bad. I've been hungry and I've been well fed. I've been living in plenty. I've been living in want. I've been having things exactly the way I want it and I've been having things falling down around my ears. But he says, I know that it's going to be okay because, and then he goes on and you hear scriptures like, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. I don't have to see the solution today. I know it's going to work out. God's going to use this and it's going to be for good, not for my destruction. Jeremiah 29, 11 promises us that's how he thinks about you and me, about our future and our hope. And it's a different perspective. I don't have to worry because my life is tucked in with Jesus. And he's going to meet all of my needs because he's the Lord of all. And suddenly you get into that place and your solutions are not about what, about what you can produce, about what you can do. And sometimes, you know, we have a tendency to take delight in things that happen to us, good things. I mean, it's natural, I suppose. You know, about this new thing that we have or we've just got a new raise or... I mean, it's, I'm, I'd be delighted too if the doctor says, you don't have cancer. I mean, those are good things, right? But we, we tend to focus on them when we're there and when we're not there because we think that when those good things happen, then we'll be happy. You know, we, we, we're, we're all amped up because our child got first place in a trophy, or because they got last place in the same trophy. Because <laughs> that's how it works now. <laughs> okay, so I want to give you <laughs> first law of the whole, if you're in one, stop digging, right? And my wife's going, stop it, that's a sign. Okay, five quick verses about not worrying, and um, we're going to have communion. We're going to receive communion, and we'll get you out the door. First one, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's a promise. Hook up that one. He tells us where to take refuge in Psalm 11. Um, in the Lord, I take refuge, 11.1. Here's another one. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Better to trust in God than what we tend to trust in. So, so I do what I can, and I trust God with what I can. I trust him. Here's, here's another one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I think there could be people here listening to this who might be wondering, you know, where do I stand with God? Have I been too bad for God? Have I, have I, you know, is there enough grace left for somebody who's been doing the things that I'm doing? Acts, Acts 16 says this, listen. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Amen. Wow. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Not because of what you've done, but because of the one in whom you believe. What a great promise. We don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about the how when we have the who. And we don't have to worry about the what when we know who truly satisfies. Whatever you carried in with you today, maybe, maybe you come in with a pouch full of things you're worried about, or maybe they come in perched on your shoulders. And like the, those that the Lord was speaking to earlier today where the Lord said, you're not alone. And here I am up in front saying, just give it to God and trust him. It seems too simple because Pastor Terry, I'm feeling chased. I'm feeling pursued and I can't stop. 
Can't stop running to get away from it. I just want to say to you, God loves you, sees you, and will resist what it is that chases you. There's a scripture that says that when we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. I want to pray that way. And um, I just want to say, instead of being anxious, the Lord gives this offer. Instead of being anxious, bring anything to him with prayer. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful.